Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, this week's On The Ledge podcast is all about quick wins. And no, I'm not talking about the World Cup. I don't know if it's just me, but I've been feeling a bit under the weather this week, a bit weary and altogether not my normal self. So I decided that this week we needed something that was going to give us quick results and take no longer than five minutes to put together. So this week we're having a look at some edible windowsill, on the ledge if you will, projects that even someone as weary as I can take part in. And the good news is that almost everything you'll need for these little projects can be found either in your houseplant maintenance kit, which I'm sure you have to hand, or in your kitchen cupboards. See, I'm making life super easy for you this week. Thanks to everyone who turned up for Houseplant Hour on Tuesday this week. It's an hour-long Twitter chat between 9 and 10 British summertime every other Tuesday. The next one will be happening on July the 24th at 9pm British summertime. Do join me then. You can follow along with the hashtag HouseplantHour or look back at the chat that we had this week. It's a great way of connecting up with other houseplant people on Twitter. So I do encourage you to join me. I use a Twitter account, HouseplantHour, but everything on the thread should also have that hashtag HouseplantHour there. So do come and say hi. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, it'll just be me banging on about my Gesneriat again. So please come and save us all from that. So let's start with this. You go to the supermarket and you buy a pot of supermarket herbs planted up in a little container. It might be basil, it might be parsley or coriander, chives or mint. And you bring it home and you might use a couple of sprigs in a dish. And seemingly you turn around the next day and the herbs are dead. Why does this happen? So the herbs are very closely packed into the pot. They're not really designed to last for more than a few days. There's not a lot of compost in there. The roots are pretty much filling the compost already. So really, it's not something that's very sustainable. But if you, like me, like to get the best out of everything that you buy, it's worth spending a few minutes sorting those supermarket herbs out so that you can get more out of them. So you've got your pot of supermarket herbs. Take them out. 
tease them apart you'll find that in there there are lots and lots of individual plants which have been planted all together to make things bushy and nice but if you separate those out tease them out in, and place them in separate pots with some house plant compost you'll find that they will grow on and you'll have some quite long lasting herb plants for your windowsill make sure they're in maximum maximum light conditions that you can get unless of course you've got a burningly hot south facing windowsill and it's right in the middle of summer in which case they may need a bit of protection from the really hot sunlight don't be worried about being too careful when you're teasing them apart they're pretty tough if you need to take an old kitchen knife to them to separate the root ball up so be it just make sure when you replant them that they get plenty of water but are allowed to dry out a little bit in between waterings And hopefully those herbs will last you two, three or even four times as long as they would have done if you'd have left them in the same pot. And talking of herbs, if you ever buy lemongrass for Thai food that you're making, you can grow your own lemongrass very, very easily. I went to the market today in the town where I live and I picked up a bunch of lemongrass and I've got it here. And all I'm going to do to turn this into a plant is dip these stalks of lemongrass into a glass of water i've got four here and they're all very fresh and they've also got a good base on them what i mean by that is they haven't been cut off above the basal plate of the plant they've been cut off so that there's a little bit of that base left on and what that means is they will root super easily they will start growing roots from that base and then i can pot each of those ones up into an individual pot and I will have lemongrass. Now, lemongrass, Latin name Symbopogon citratus, is really easy to grow. You can put it outside in the summer, but you will need to bring it inside in the winter because if you live in temperate climes, it just isn't warm enough for it to be outside in when it's freezing. So bring it inside for winter times and put it on a really bright, sunny, south-facing windowsill for the winter. And hopefully it'll bulk up fairly quickly into a plant that you can use in your own cooking and you'll find the flavour is much more intense and fresh when you're using your own freshly harvested stems. So as I say, it's really easy to root in water. You can, of course, put it into compost to root too. If you can place it into a heated propagator so that there's warmth coming from the bottom, that will help with proceedings. But generally, I find the water propagation technique is way by far the easiest way. But let's move on to something else that I bought at the market today and I've got them here in a little clear plastic bag. Um, How to describe them? I don't really want to say they look like hairy balls but (laughs) they look a bit like a hairy round potato and they are in fact corms and they're the corm of a plant called the Colocasia, yes, Colocasia esculenta, a house plant which you may be familiar with as the elephant ear, is actually also inedible. And these corms are eaten like potatoes, they're starchy like potatoes, in many parts of the world, roast or baked or fried. So you can buy them in the shops. They're sometimes called taro root or edos or dasheen. So you can buy these as I've done in the market. I've got four here. And they're very easy to plant up and grow your own colocasia, which is nice because as houseplants, they're quite expensive to buy. 
It's worth saying there seems to be some confusion online about whether Edo, Taro, Dasheen, etc. are all the same plant botanically. Uh, So I referred to a book that I have, which is rather useful for this kind of thing. It's called The New Oxford Book of Food Plants by G.J. Vaughan and C.A. Geisler. And this book is a beautiful illustrated guide to all the plants in the world. Well, I guess a fair number of them that provide us with our grub and turning to page 190 I found myself no sorry one yes 190 uh and there's a lovely illustration of cassava arrowroot taro and tanya which are all starchy rooted plants which are used to make tapioca and arrowroot taro is number three on this list and it says as I've already indicated, Colocasia esculenta, which is sometimes also known by the Latin name Colocasia antiquorum. So yes, I can confirm that these are all the same plant. However, Colocasias come in a wide range of cultivars, just like potatoes. There are lots of different strains which are grown for cultivation. So that's part of the fun that I don't exactly know what the nature of the plant that I will get will be, but it'll be fun finding out. I wasn't quite sure how to grow these Edos into a plant, so I got hold of a book called Don't Throw It, Grow It, 68 Windowsill Plants from Kitchen Scraps by Deborah Peterson and Millicent Selsum. And I'll put the details of that book in the show notes. Um, And I was delighted to find that the method that they suggest for sprouting Edos is actually very similar to the method that I use for sprouting avocados back in episode 16 of On the Ledge. So that's what I'm about to go and do with these. Do you want to come with me? Okay, let's go. This is the sound of me putting on my gardening gloves. I've come out to the potting shed where I've got a few little jobs to do. I've just been having a very happy few minutes sieving some compost, which is one of my favourite jobs. Maybe I should start a podcast about compost. Anyway, and I'm now having a look at my glorious Episcia seedlings, which I will share with you because they are from the On The Ledge Sew Along and they're looking mighty fine. And uh, also some cactus seedlings, which sadly I have lost the label to. That's very unprofessional of me, but uh, yeah, I'll try to figure out what those are as well. So we're going to look at how to get these Edos sprouting. Here they are. Get them out of the bag. Um, There's four of them. I could have bought more, but I thought four was a good number to start with. So I'm going to use a very similar technique that we did for the avocados. If you have some sphagnum moss, this is an ideal thing to use. If you don't have sphagnum moss, kitchen roll, I reckon, works just as well. But seeing as I have some sphagnum moss, which strangely enough came on some in the top of the pot of some orchids, which was not ideal for them. So I took it off and I'm going to reuse this for my Edo's. So I've just got it soaking in a tray of water right now, just absorbing lots of water because this stuff is like a sponge. It does absorb tons of water. When it's dry, it's not much good for us. So I'm just breaking it up and making sure that it's absorbed loads of water before we start. Um, And I've got a couple of clear plastic bags Um, old ones which I've reused many many times just for those of you who are worried about plastic reuse these bags have 
been used well i think this one probably has been used at least 50 times it started off for food storage and now it's being used in the garden so uh, it's a it's a repurposed bag many times over um so here we go the sphagnum moss is just about ready to go and if i squeeze it Yeah, it's pretty well soaked, so it's ready to go. So I'm going to take, my plan is to have three of these Edos in this bag wrapped in sphagnum moss. Now the interesting thing about them is they're like a bulb of any other kind of bulb. There is a growing point and there is a base plate. So looking at them, I reckon that I can pretty easily tell which the growing point is because it's a bit more pointy and the base plate is flat but in the case of planting them like this or sprouting them like this it doesn't really matter because i will be able to tell which uh, is which which way up it goes because when it sprouts uh, that will be obvious to me the last one i'm going to just plant in a pot and see how that one goes so we'll try two techniques so i'm just wrapping sphagnum moss around this guy first edo and he's going into the bag one of these edos has got a bit of damage on the side of it so that's the one i'm going to try putting in a pot because i don't want it to rot and affect the other edos in their bag of sphagnum so that one's going to go in a pot instead so this is really the job of a couple of minutes i'm dragging it out a bit here really uh, because this is very easily done so my edos are now in the bag and that's going to be sealed up and I'm going to put this somewhere dark and warm, which isn't a problem at the moment because it's very hot here in the UK at the moment. So it's going to go in a dark, warm cupboard in my kitchen. And I'm going to be checking that every day to see what's happening with my Edos. And as soon as they're sprouted, they will be planted out. Now this final one, he's going to go, or she, I don't know if it's a, if I can assign gender to this thing, but that's going to go into a pot. So I need to just find a suitable pot for it. As you can imagine, I have many pots out here. Okay, let's just try. Although strangely, I don't have any sort of medium-sized ones coming down, which is rather annoying. Um, okay, let's use this green one. So I'm just going to put this in a mixture of heat-filled compost that I've got. Fill up the pot. It'll be interesting to see how this one does compared to the other ones that are in the sphagnum. They'll all end up in pots eventually, but by sprouting them, that's supposed to give them a head start before they actually go into the soil. So we shall see what occurs. Okay, I've got a good portion of compost in here now. And I'm just gonna make sure this is nice and moist before I add the Edo. I don't really know how deep to plant this. Uh, I've read varying advice on how deep to plant Edos. So the general rule with anything like this is two or three times the depth of the size of the corm or bulb. But I'm just going to push it into this compost and top it up. So it's about it'll be about one depth. And we'll see how it gets on. The great thing about this experiment is these Edos cost me about one pound. I went to the market at the end of the day when they were kind of packing up and got the last few Edos and they were very, very cheap. But even if you bought them not on a 
discount they're pretty cheap um, so if it all goes wrong it's really not the end of the world so I'm gonna leave these to sit there and this pot to soak up lots of moisture then I'm going to wrap it in some cling film over the top or plastic bag over the top to keep it nice and moist and wait for my edo to sprout lucky enough to have a good source of colocasia corms that you can order online or in person of the varieties that have been cultivated specifically for garden and indoor growth then there are some really nice cultivars out there there's one called mojito which is lovely which has black splashes all across the bright green leaves there's another called black magic which is as you'd imagine has very very dark leaves and another one called illustrious which has dark leaves with green veins and I particularly love white lava which has got a splash of white down the centre of the huge green leaf. I've got a picture of that on my website if you want to have a look at janeperone.com. So do let me know what colocasias you're growing. Also in my show notes is a list of suggested places to get hold of colocasia corms. So do take a look at that if you're desperate to have some real special ones. But personally, I can't wait to see what my Edo's turn out like as plants. I'll keep you posted. But now let's go back to the potting shed and I'm going to be sowing something which is altogether rather smaller. So I did a whole episode on microgreens back in episode, well, a very early episode of On The Ledge podcast. I'll link to it in the show notes. But I wanted to re just return to the subject briefly because one of the things that I find super, super easy and rewarding is sowing a couple of different kinds of seeds as microgreens. And I just wanted to show you and remind you how I do it. The seeds are coriander and fenugreek. Now, coriander, you're probably more familiar with than fenugreek. They're little round balls of seed. And the best place to get hold of these seeds is not really in a tiny Schwarz type jar that you might get at your supermarket, but from a market or a, a place that sells lots of herbs and spices in huge bags. Because they tend to have seed that is less processed and therefore germinates more easily. The fenugreek, this is a lovely herb which is used in... Indian cooking both dry and as a fresh leaf. The seeds look like little chips of toffee to me and I use these as microgreens and you can just put them on top of a curry and they taste absolutely delicious or you can add them to salads and things. With any herb I would say it's always a mistake to just to try tasting a leaf and thinking oh I don't like the flavour of that because actually that's not how we use herbs. We don't eat them on their own in isolation. We add them to things and so if you grow fenugreek uh, don't just eat a leaf and think oh I don't like it. Try adding it to the top of stuff and you'll find that it adds great flavour. You can even add it to the top of takeaway curries that you've uh, bought or, or ready meal curries that you've bought and you'll find it adds an extra load of flavour. The noise you can hear is me swooshing round in a jar a load of fenugreek seeds. 
I've also got some coriander seeds. I've been soaking these because it aids germination, basically. It just makes them germinate that bit more quickly. And I've chosen these two seeds because they're my favourites and because they're super easy to germinate. So all I'm going to do is find a tray to stick these in. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. What I've got here is one of those uh, plastic containers that probably had fruit in it of some kind. It's got a little tiny spider in there as well, who I'm going to tip out onto the uh, shelf. Um, so this is good because it's got holes in the bottom. It's reusing a plastic item, which is great. And I can reuse this several times. All you need to do is get a small amount of seed compost. What do I mean by seed compost? Well, seed compost is very fine compost that doesn't contain a huge amount of nutrients because seeds generally have their own starter nutrients packed inside them and they need to be able to push through the compost easily. So if it's in huge chunks, the seeds will struggle and that's why seed compost is very fine. And I've got a bag of it here and I'm going to take a handful and I'm going to line the bottom of my plastic container about two centimetres, nearly an inch thick. This is already moist, so it's good to go. And just tamp it, I'm tamping it down gently with my hands till it's kind of more or less level. So my seeds have been pre-soaking for at least an hour. Overnight is fine too, but just don't forget to sow them after that. Otherwise they might start to rot. And I'm going to pour out the water that's the seeds are in and as the seeds start to come out I'm just letting them go into my hand and letting them go onto the surface of the compost. These seeds do not need to be covered. If you cover the seeds what will happen is when they germinate they end up coming up with a horrible head full of compost and so it makes it very hard when you're harvesting them to avoid getting loads of compost involved which is difficult because if you try and wash microgreens, it all turns into a bit of a mess. So I'm just distributing this thick layer of fenugreek across the bottom of this pot. The other benefit for, of soaking them is you, I tend to find that that means that they don't end up with the seed head, the seed casing still stuck to them when they grow. If this happens, it's a bit of a fiddle to get the seed head off because you don't want to be eating a crunchy seed head uh, when you're supposed to be eating lush greens. So these have gone on really quite thickly onto the soil, onto my seed compost. And all I'm going to do now is get a piece of damp newspaper, stick, this, stick that over the top. I'm not going to put any compost on top of them. I'm going to put the damp newspaper on and I'm going to keep an eye on them. And within a few days I should have a lush surface of covered in sprouts and leaves and once I've got a couple of leaves on there they they are ready to be harvested which should happen in the next two to three weeks just keep that compost moist and only take the damp newspaper off the top when they are actually sprouting and it's really as easy as that I'm going to do the same with my coriander here let me find another container which could be a challenge let's have a look <laughs> I'm going to use a traditional seed tray for this one. Again, you don't need a huge depth of compost. You're just wasting compost if you do that because they just don't need it. And I'm just breaking this up a bit because there are a few little lumpy bits in here where it's clodded together. 
and I, I press down. You can buy tamping thing tools, but really, what are your hands for? Your hands are much more delicate and they're able to cope with making sure that everything's smooth. Unless you're doing hundreds of these, if you work in commercial horticulture, yes, it would be vital, but not for this kind of job. So again, here come my coriander seeds, pouring them on, the water just pours through. Do make sure that your container has drainage holes, that will make a difference. And once the surface is pretty much covered with uh, coriander seeds, normally when I'm sowing seeds, I advise people to sow thinly, sow thinly. But when you're sowing microgreens, go as thick as you like, because they're not going to worry about competition because they're going to be around for so long. Now, if you do this every couple of weeks, you'll find that you have a really nice continuous flow of microgreens coming along. And it's just so pleasurable and so simple. And it really does only take five minutes to do. Final one that I'm going to talk about while I'm out here is peas. And I need to just go and reach over and grab my box of peas. Come on, peas, here we are. Nice sound effect for you there. So these are dried peas from the supermarket. Picked them out to look at. They're really cheap to buy, super cheap to buy. And these can be sprouted as pea shoots very, very easily. Again, these need to be soaked in water for about, well, I mean, overnight is, is ideal. I'm just going to get some out ready to soak them. And soak them in water overnight and then sow them about a centimetre below the surface of seed compost. And within a couple of weeks, you will have emerging pea shoots. You can snip those off just above the first set of leaves and they use, these will actually regrow, which is fantastic. You should get about five or six cuts off these. And if you go into fancy supermarkets, you'll find these pea shoots on sale for quite a lot of money, but you can actually grow your own for literally pennies. Um, and they're a really great source of greens if you don't have room outside to grow lettuce and stuff. The flavour, well, it's a bit like um, eating, well, it's a bit like eating peas. They're, they're kind of pea flavoured, but very delicate and delicious. Um, and I haven't met a child who doesn't like them. So that's another bonus if you happen to have kids who aren't very keen on greens. And you can get them to help you sow these and therefore they kind of feel invested in the whole project. And ge generally, I find then tend to be much more willing to eat them. So there you go, pea shoots, that's another easy one. And I'm gonna get, let these soak and then tomorrow I shall be sowing these seeds. some of you found that useful inspirational or in some way helpful in your next few weeks of gardening if you try any of my little tips there i'd love to hear how you get on what problems you have and when you have some great successes and also what you think of those fenugreek leaves and now it's time for question of the week which comes from Lindsay in idaho and she has a sansevieria that has been sitting in her office getting not enough light and too much water for eight years. So this plant's really had a bit of a, a track record of being, well, let's put it kindly, 
Lindsay uh, ignored most likely. Um, this is something that happens to all of us. We have plants that just don't get the attention they deserve. Oftentimes they're plants that really are quite tough and therefore we let ourselves get away with not really taking very good care of them. Hands up here, I've done it myself many times, so no blame. But Lindsay now wants to recuperate this plant and get it into a better state. It's got a bit leggy, other than that, hasn't grown very much. So what should she do? Well, she discovered when she took it out of the pot that there wasn't a lot in the way of a root system. And I suspect what's happened here is that the root ball hasn't grown just because the pot is full of compost that has just been too damp and any new roots that have developed just haven't really survived that extra moisture. So I think the best thing for you to do, Lindsay, would be to repot in some fresh compost I'm thinking a half to a third of the mix made up of something like perlite or horticultural grit or even dust-free cat litter. This will make for a nice free-draining mix of growing media that should help your Sansevieria to look much, much better. Gradually move it into a brighter light situation. Don't suddenly move it to a really bright windowsill because that can cause it to be sunburned. And when you're repotting, I wouldn't really increase the size of the pot given that the root ball is quite small. I would stick to the same size or even maybe reduce the size of the pot just to make sure that the root ball isn't too drowned by a massive amount of growing medium around it. So put it in the new pot with your nice free draining potting mix and gradually move it to a lighter place. Lindsay has wondered if she should use rooting hormone on these roots. I would say don't bother. Changing the cultural conditions in the way I've suggested should help those roots develop fine. Rooting hormone normally isn't really necessary in most circumstances, so therefore I tend not to bother with it. There's no harm in using it if you happen to have some around, but I think it'll do fine without. Good luck, Lindsay. Let me know how you get on. I want to see that Santaveria growing truly beautifully very soon. If you've got a question for On The Ledge, drop me a line to ontheledgepodcast at gmail.com. say thank you to my new patreon subscribers this week david hannah anthony and Catherine. great to have you on board if you're interested in finding out more about how to subscribe to patreon to give on the ledge an extra boost and help the show keep going visit my website janeperone.com where you'll find all the info or visit patreon.com forward slash on the ledge Everyone who subscribes with five bucks or more a month gets access to exclusive content that you won't find anywhere else. That's all for this week. I'll be back next Friday with more plant-based excitement. And I'll leave you with this quote from the very wonderful man, Sir David Attenborough. He once said, There are some four million different kinds of animals and plants in the world. Four million different solutions to the problem of staying alive. Keep on keeping on, people. I'll see you next Friday. Bye. The music you heard in this week's episode was Roll, Jordan, Roll by The Joy Drops, an instrument the boy called Happy Day Gukana, and A Man Plays Trekking Song on Faywell Lake by Samuel Corwin, 
and overthrown by Josh Woodward, all licensed under Creative Commons. See my website for details. today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.